Uh, Pastor Gary asked me probably, it's, it's probably been a couple months ago now, he knew he was going to be gone today and, and asked if I could share today. And, and man, I had a sermon ready to go and I finished it up on Tuesday and thought that, you know, that was it. Been feeling it for two months, I thought. Man, I woke up at 3 o'clock Wednesday morning and it, God said, no, and it, that's not where you're going. And I don't want to refer to it, but you see on the screen, last weekend was life-changing for so many people. And I'm not talking about students. It was life-changing for a lot of us as adults. This was our theme for last week, and I'm going to share a little bit about that theme today. And I want to allow plenty of time. I, I, I want, God told me specifically over the last couple of days, spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to talk a little bit, and then I want you to shut up and let me talk. You hear me? Sometimes as pastors, we get in that, oh, I got to run my mouth. I got to talk. I got to do No, sometimes we just have a little bit to say, and we need to let God do, say the rest. And so that's what this morning is going to be about. I forgot to tell you, J.D., that's fine. You're there now, so go ahead and put it up there. We're, we won't worry about that next service. Because listen, the events of last weekend, as Pastor Dave already mentioned, I had, I, had to, I had to really apologize to God. We went into last Friday night, and we had so many students come. It was a record-breaking retreat, more than we've ever had for, for any retreats in the past. And, and most of those kids, a lot of those kids were unchurched kids. And when I, by, when I say that, it means they have never been in church before. Some of those kids didn't even know, I mean, yeah, they've heard God. They've heard the name of Jesus, but they didn't know who he was. And so, as I'm looking through the paperwork, and I'm, I've gotten phone calls throughout the week from parents that had kids that wanted to come to retreat that I didn't know. I mean, it was crazy the amount of phone calls uh, leading up to that retreat of, of parents of school students that their kid found out about it in the hallway that we had this retreat going on. They're like, hey, you got something going on? Uh, I heard to reach out to you. I got a kid that wants to go to this retreat. Is that okay? And I'm like, absolutely. And they just started pouring their hearts out to me. Uh, there's one mom I'll never forget. I, she, she literally started crying on the phone. And she, she starts telling me this story, how her and her family have never been to church. Never been to church. And she thinks this would be a good thing for her son to go and experience. And, and she's praying that, that through that, maybe that will spark something in the rest of their family to, to maybe start going to church somewhere. And so I go into Friday night, as Pastor Dave already alluded to, and, and we ate and we're getting ready to go to our first worship service. And I gathered up all the sponsors. I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to be really, I don't have a very high expectation of what this service is going to look like. We've got a lot of unchurched kids. They're, they're going to be coming in. They've never sang a, they've never sang a worship song. They, some of them never heard of God. Uh, they don't know what to expect. They don't know what it's going to look like and, and all those things, much less what the atmosphere here at Retreat's like. They're, they're, it's going to be, they're going to probably freak out some. I said that. My, I said my expectations are low. And just like Pastor Dave said, I put God in a box at that moment. And we go down to the building where we do our worship app and we, at and we get on the, 
get on the stage, and there's tons of kids there. And uh, I'm looking out. Melissa and Rachel there, they're up on stage with me, CJ and Rondo, and we're getting ready to start worship. And, and I, did, I had them do the exact same thing we did this morning, just, just open up our hands. It's just like God start pouring into us. And it was probably maybe halfway through the first song, started the second song. And the altar was full of kids. Every one of them were at the front on their hands and knees, on their bellies, crying before God. And a lot of those kids were not churched. They had no idea. You see, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit will do if you just give him a chance to operate and move. And I'm standing there, and I'm up here, and I'm, I'm at that point, I think, yeah, I'm still playing the guitar, and, and I'm, I'm just playing, I'm looking down at all these kids, and I'm like, I'm messed up, and I, I'm literally in, I'm just praying, God, I'm sorry. I am sorry, I am sorry, I am sorry. Please forgive me for doubting you. And how many times have I walked into a service here with God in a box, with my own agenda? And we just walked in and walked out, nothing's ever happened. Nobody's ever changed. Nobody's ever saved. We had 18 kids give their life to Christ last weekend. 18 kids accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. We had a time of decision on Saturday night. 18 kids, first thing, came up, gave their life to Christ. And I'm going to get into the to the word just a little bit here. I'm not going to spend much time there today. But when I offered a time of reset, rededication, you know, maybe walked away from God, there was at least 50 plus hit the altar. And then when the rubber met the road, there were some kids in there that were struggling with some pretty hardcore stuff. Let me tell you, and if you were here this past Wednesday night, you heard some of this. I just got to touch on it because there's a lot more here today. And you got to know what we're dealing with now. It is a different generation. It is a different group of kids. 25 years ago, I've spent most of my life in church camps, running church camps, being on board church camps, and, and all those different things, working with youth. 25 years ago, I would have I would, never heard the things that I've heard this past weekend and some of the sponsors heard. I mean, we're talking about hearing stuff from middle schoolers. 80% probably of the kids that were at that week of uh, last weekend were middle school kids. And this is what we're hear, talk, hearing from their mouth. I got a problem with heroin. I'm taking Xanax like it's candy. Sixth graders, I'm addicted to pornography. I can't stop looking at it. Probably one of the big ones that, that we dealt with so much was, I don't have a dad. I don't know what it's like to have a, a, a father figure in my life. 
And so here we are talking about this earthly or this heavenly father and, and, and what it means to have this heavenly father. And, and these kids don't know what it means to have an earthly dad, so it's hard for them to relate. They don't understand that. And so we have to spend time talking to them about what it means. You know, yeah, our earthly dads are going to blow it. I blow it as a dad, but we've got a heavenly father that will never blow it. And help get them to understand that. We found out last week, this conversation, I don't know who, who brought it up when we were there as sponsors, but uh, you know, we were discussing, this is the new babysitter. Listen to me, parents. If you've got a child that's in second grade or third grade and you've already given them this, you just open their world up to so much evil. Because those sixth grader, a couple sixth grader boys confessed to me that they're addicted to porn and they watch it all the time on our phone. You better rethink what you're doing. As you're handing them the keys to go down a road and go, go, go to a place where it's going to take them into some bad stuff. And them little, them little 12-year-old, 13-year-old minds, they can't handle that. Listen to me. As adults, we can't handle that. How do we expect our kids to handle that? And we're messing their minds up, and it's our fault because we think, oh, my kid's got to be cool. He's got to have a cell phone at, age, or at six and five and eight years old. And I'm as guilty as anybody. We give them phones, and we don't want to be bothering like, hey, just go back in the bedroom and watch some YouTube videos. I'm telling you what, we better be checking what our kids are watching and what they're seeing. Because I'm just going to be blunt as blunt can be. We're screwing them up. And we're setting them up for failure. And we're setting them up to, to, to fall right into the enemy's hands. I really had no intentions of going there today. But you got to know what we're hearing. You got to know what, what these kids are dealing with. And we're to blame, partly. We're to blame. It's good, Dave. Thanks, man. So last weekend, we talked about reset. I, again, I'm not going to talk a lot today. I say that, but I really feel like God's got to do some speaking. We talked about reset. I don't know about y'all, but so I got, I got the, the theme of this week literally when I'm in my truck. I, drive, I got a big diesel ton truck, you know, and I'm, I'm a, a, I don't drive it a lot. I really just got to pull our camper and stuff like that. But, but uh, we... Uh, when I drive that thing around a lot, you guys, it's got the big trucks, and you know what I'm talking about. It sucks to get the fuel and all that. And, and I got that computer that tells me how much fuel mileage I'm getting when I'm driving that big truck, and it's not very good. And, and especially when you're just beating around town, it gets real bad, you know. And I'm sitting there looking one day. I'm, I'm, I'm driving into church, and I knew I had to go, I knew I had to, go to Clarksville to uh, make a hospital call or down that way. And, but anyway, I'm looking, at that, I'm looking at that reading on my dash. And it said, uh, told me that I was only getting like 13, 14 miles 
uh, to the gallon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate seeing that number. I hate seeing that number. But I, I realize, I know when I get on interstate, I get better, get better fuel mileage and, and, and so forth. So, uh, so I, I'm like, it's just frustrating me. That particular day, I'm looking at that awful, nasty number there on my dash. And so I'm getting ready to get on the interstate here at Scottsboro to go south. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to get rid of that number real quick. And so I reached down there, and you all know what I'm talking about. There's a little reset button there on that computer that you can hit that will reset everything and recalculate everything. And so I reset it, and by the time I get almost to Clarksville, that number was reading like now 20, 21 miles uh, to the gallon. I'm like, yes, that looks so much better than that 12, 13, 14 mile a gallon. Just had to reset, reset it. Now, if I look at it, because I need to reset it again, it's throwing that low number again. Because, but I thought about that. Our lives are like that. And today I'm going to ask you to, to really look hard into where you're at right now in life. Three particular areas, our minds and our hearts and our spirits. Because there comes a moment in time when, when all those areas can potentially get extremely messed up. We get tired. We get fatigued. We've allowed things to come in, and it's just totally messed us up. And we've allowed things to come into our lives that we normally wouldn't allow to happen because we're tired, because of sin. We're going to call it what it is. And so God showed me in that day when I hit the reset button as I'm traveling back and I'm thinking about, you know, our youth retreat coming up in a, you know, a month or two or whatever it was when he showed me this. And I started doing an evaluation of my own life and how a year ago at this time I was in a, I was in a mess. I, need, I mean, my mind was jacked up, my heart was jacked up, and my spirit was really jacked up. Now, a lot of y'all may not know that, but, but those closest to me, they can testify to that. I was in a bad place. I'd gotten tired. I'd gotten weary. I'd allowed people to speak into my life that should have been speaking into my life, and it messed with my mind, which in turn messed with my heart, which in turn messed with my spirit. And drew a, and, 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 and there became a wedge between me and God. Because listen to me, when you allow other things between you and God and you, if your, your spirit is not in tune with God, then obviously you're going away from God. And so it, it took some months, but finally through, through revelation and God showing me some things and speaking to me through other people, the right people. Let me hear you. I want to I emphasize that today, guys, as we talk about reset. Because if, as part of this reset, resetting our minds, hearts, and spirits, right now today, you may need to let some people go in your life that's speaking into you that shouldn't be speaking into you. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom in who's speaking into your life. Not every prophecy that somebody says is a prophetic word into you is, is right. The enemy will send people into your life that he might be using to bring you down. And they'll speak wrong stuff. Even though it may seem right, they'll speak some negative stuff into you and take you down the wrong path. I did that. I allowed that into my life. And it messed me up for a while. I'm just going to say it, it messed me up for a while. And I had to do a lot of apologizing to some, some people. I had to apologize to our, our pastor because of my, even my attitude toward him at times because I allowed people speaking in my life that I should not have been doing. 
But there's times we got to reset. So let's look just briefly at, at all these areas because I think it's very important we're going to hit it and then God's going to, then God's going to start speaking to you today. He's going to speak to all of us. I believe this morning, if you're struggling in these areas, I'm going to ask you to do, do one thing. Give me a good 10, 15 minutes of your utmost attention and become vulnerable. Being vulnerable is not easy. It's not easy as grown adults to be vulnerable because pride gets involved. It's like, I don't want to see, I don't want anybody to see me crying. I don't want anybody to see me up front. I don't want anybody to know that I'm messed up, that I got some things going on in my life. Okay, stay there and stay messed up. I said at the beginning of service, God wants to move on this place, on us as his people. But we first have to be willing to let him move in our lives. That's when revival comes. That's what happened last weekend. There was no agenda. These kids came in and they had no pre preconceived notion of what church looks like or how they should act or anything else, all they knew that God was moving, something was happening. They didn't understand it. They felt something was, was going. That was the Holy Spirit. And they responded. And they let down their guards and they let down their walls. And there are some kids that had some serious walls up from the junk that they're dealing with in this life. But they let them down. And Jesus met them right where they're at. And last Sunday morning, getting ready to start at 10 o'clock, Last Sunday morning, we were getting ready to do our last worship service. Brittany did an incredible job sharing our last message on the Spirit. And we came to a time of altar time. And again, kids were there, but not only the kids, but the adults got vulnerable. And he began to move. And I was sitting at the keyboard, and I'm just playing, and I didn't want to say it. Like I like what Jason was at, I didn't want to say anything, didn't want to do anything. It was like there was a you could tangibly see the Spirit of God moving in that room because some of those adults finally got vulnerable. And I'm asking you today to get vulnerable before God. And if you do, I believe you will be radically changed. You will be radically delivered from some stuff you're, you're battling right now, addictions. Some of y'all in this room, you're, you're battling with the addiction of alcohol. You're battling with the addiction of smoking, of a vape. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing we've heard a lot of last weekend, our kids vaping. Pornography. We can, name, we can name a lot of stuff. You know what it is for you. I may have named something that you're dealing with. It may be something like heroin. I would have never dreamed in a million years I'd walk into Wonder Valley Camp and, and, and start hearing about heroin and stuff like that in middle schoolers, but we did. So I have to believe sitting in this room, there's probably some pretty, pretty hardcore stuff going on in here. But I believe that if you just get vulnerable today and hit the reset button, God's going to do a work in seconds. What sometimes we'll do in lifetimes through programs and all those different things. I'm believing that for the service today. Our minds. Because that's the first thing we got to talk about. Our minds is the beginning point of it all. You see, the enemy no wants more 
no more than to get into our minds. Now, let me first of all say this. Jesus himself had to reset. Then if you could throw that first scripture up there. Jesus himself had to take a moment to reset. It was in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 6. He says this. And this, I want you to understand where this is coming from. This is right after Jesus just fed the 5,000 people. We all know that story. I mean, it's crazy what happened. All these people, actually it would have been more than 5,000, fed them with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. If a miracle takes place. Can you imagine what that would have been like? The chaos that actually would have been like and the amount of, uh, amount of drain that had to be on him spiritually as he, as he talked to these people, as he laid hands on these people, as he, as he shared with them. and Whatever that would have looked like, he would have been drained. And so as they are getting ready to leave and he dismisses a crowd, he turns to the disciples. And here in verse 45 of chapter 6, he says this, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. You see, Jesus had to have a time of reset. He was overwhelmed. See, he, he was human. He understood that pressure. Let me tell you something. I think in every, uh, if you have worked uh, in, in student ministry or children's ministry, if you come to v our vacation Bible school and you pour into a bunch of kids or, or whatever it may be, I'm telling you, you will feel absolutely exhausted. And I'm not saying necessarily physically, although that's a part of it, but you will be, feel spiritually drained. I was tired last Sunday night when we got home, but I was more mentally and spiritually tired than I was physically tired because of the stuff that I had to hear from from these kids and pouring into them. And Jesus was there. He understood that. And he had to hit the reset button. And he tells his disciples, go ahead, I'm going to take time and I'm going to pray. So listen to me this morning, guys. A times of reset are necessary for the health of our mind, heart, and spirit. And I want you to get this. Failure to reset can and will be detrimental, detrimental to you mentally, physically, and spiritually. I have been there, done that. A year ago was there. I'm going to let some of y'all in a secret. Some of those closest to me know this. A year ago this time, I was very seriously talking, thinking about, you know what, done with it. Seriously. I had those hard conversations with those closest to me because I'd allowed so much come into my mind, and that's what we're talking about first today, I allowed so many people speak into my into my life, and it messed with my mind. There is a battle right now going on for the minds of the people in this country, in this church, and our kids especially. The enemy knows if he can get our minds focused on a lot of negative stuff, a lot of bad stuff, eventually it will move on through our heart and into our spirit. But our, there's a, Craig Grissell had this incredible sermon series back probably three, four years ago called Winning the War of the Mind. And I've seen that series a couple different times. And he intricately, intricately details uh, our, our brains and how it works and how the enemy comes in. But there is. There's a war there. 
There's a battle going on. And the enemy knows if he can get a hold of our kids' minds, that he could very quickly uh, steal them away from us. Mental sickness is at an all-time high. Mental health. You know how many of your kids, talking to your kids, your grandkids, have already been dealing with thoughts of suicide in their mind? It's staggering. And you know what we want to do? We want to bury our head in the sand. So I'm going to, it's been about four years ago now, some friends that are at a church that were youth pastors there, they had a kid in their youth group that committed suicide. I think 16, 17 years old. Committed suicide. We had connection with them because it was the church that we spent time with in our youth retreats before we just went on our own. And so I remember getting a phone call and and I called them to see how thing, you know, everybody was doing, and, and we were talking about it, and I was talking to their associate pastor about it, and, and he was like, you know, we're trying to do something. But he said the problem they were having with the rest of the parents, because they were hearing, they had, even before this kid had done this, we, they had been hearing, you know, he'd been struggling with depression, been struggling with those sort of thoughts. Not just him, but other kids. And he did it. And you know what the parents started saying after the young man killed himself? And they were talking about bringing people in outside help that could, could counsel parents and counsel kids and, and help them with this, this thing going on with their minds. You know what he told me? The parents almost revolted against him. Our kids don't have that problem. After a young man had already committed suicide. Oh, they're just doing it to get attention. No, listen, it's real. Wake up! And that's just what the enemy wants us to think as adults. Oh man, it can't be that bad. What kind of problems should they have? Listen, all kinds when they're getting on their phones at 5th and 6th grade and getting bullied like crazy. And told their life is worthless. Let me do one more. When their parents are telling them they're worthless. Don't tell me they don't have a problem. Battle of mind's real, and, and sitting in this room right now, adults, some of y'all have been dealing with that. You've, you've battled depression. You've battled those thoughts that come in that just plague you, and it's like you can't get rid of, and you don't know what to do and how to manage it and all that. But yet we're so embarrassed to, to, to say anything about it when all we got to do is turn it over to God and let Him begin to work and heal, and, and find people who will support you. You see, again, that's the problem. We surround ourselves with people that just want to feed into our minds all the wrong stuff. Battle of the mind. We've got to hit reset with the things that we're battling in our mind. There's got to be a reset there. We've got to clear our mind. Dan, if you want to throw up that next scripture, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I know Pastor Gary has used this a couple of different times over the last few weeks, but it's, it's so very true. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. Or, let's go to verse 1 first. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let's go on. 
And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's got to be a transformation take place. When you hit reset, we've got to get out the stinking thinking like we've said all. I remember that as a kid going to church. Get rid of the stinking thinking. That's very true, though. It's not just a cliche. It's not just a churchy cliche. It's very true. What are you allowing into your mind? What are you watching? What do you listen to? All that comes into play. Got to reset. And some, I believe right now, that's, that's the key, reset. Now, here's the thing I want you, to, want you to understand about that. Because the mind... I think there was something on my notes I wanted to hit, but I didn't. Oh, here it is. And here's why it's so important with the mind. Why there's an all-out assault by the enemy for our minds. Here it is. Because it's the gateway to our hearts and to our spirit. Our minds is the gateway to our hearts and to our spirits. And if we don't get this right, it's going to continue to flow and filter into our hearts and into our spirits. And that leads us to our second thing, our hearts this morning. This is the area I got to speak on last weekend with our kids. You know what the function of our actual heart is? Function of our actual heart. You know, the heart is... It's, it's the center muscle. It's the main muscle of our circulatory system. It's what pumps blood all through our body. Pumps blood to our oxygen, or oxygen to our, our brain to keep our brain healthy. It also, if you have a healthy heart, it will continue to push out all that nasty stuff. I'm not a doctor by any means or a scientist, so you're going to need it at Greg Schuler terms. It's going to just push out all the junk in your body if you have a healthy heart. Carbon dioxide and all, all that stuff. It, it, that's what it will do. But if you don't have a healthy heart, and you're not striving to have it, then, you're, then it causes problems in the rest of your body. And the same holds true spiritually with our hearts. If we don't have a healthy heart, it's extremely important physically, but especially spiritually. Because if we allow things to come into our mind, filter into our heart, what happens is, Sin comes in, and it begins to harden our heart. I've been there, done that. I'm not getting into all that story today, but I've been there, done that, and my heart got hard. My heart got, got so, I put up walls, and I didn't want to let people in, and I didn't want to let God in, and, and just built this shell around it. And it wasn't working properly. It wasn't filtering out all the other things in my life, all the negative stuff, all the bad stuff, all the sin, because my heart was unhealthy. Do you get you hear where I'm coming from? I know there's some I have I have a physically what they te- doctors tell me, I have a heart condition. I have to watch it. Continue. I'm supposed to be, you know, watching my diet and all these different things and and so I have to continually, you know, take care of my heart as best I can. Because when I stopped doing that, and unlike, you know, unfortunately, my family history, because all my dad's family struggled with, uh, with a bad heart, they all died at a young age. My dad 
is uh, 84 years old, lived the longest any of my, uh, my other uh, uncles and grandpa and all that. You know why he has outlived them all? I'm just going to be blunt about it. Because my dad, even though he had some of the same messed up uh, heart that, that they, you know, was hereditary, he had it. But you know what he did? He took care. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. He didn't do all that stuff. And he is 84 years old. I've never in a million years dreamed my dad lived that old. But he took care of what God had gave him. He kept out all the nasty stuff. And keeping our mind clear helps keep out the nasty stuff. And it keeps our heart functioning right. But if we allow that in, then now our heart's going to suffer. It's going to suffer. And it's not going to push out what it needs to push out. And slowly but surely, we're on the road to dying. And I'm not just talking physically, I'm talking spiritually. The heart is so, so important. In Ezekiel chapter uh, 36. Verses 26 and 27. Let me set up the narrative here very quickly of this particular passage of Scripture. God's children, chosen children, children of Israel. They had been, they'd fallen into a time of sin. They'd walked away from God. And during that time, they became captive. They, they, I mean, they were, they were taken over by other lands. I mean, I'm just going to make it as very basic as, and as simple as I can. They were in a bad spot. Their, art, their military had been destroyed. They were desolate, and there was only a few people left. As far as God's people, it looked like they would never return. But here's the good news, and I want you to hear this, because this is what God will do. I know I've shared a lot of negative stuff this morning, and it's been a little bit heavy, but sometimes we don't get heavy enough in church. The reality of it is, there is sin. We all do it, but there's got to there, be a change to take place. So here we go. Verse 26 of Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Pastor David, I don't know where you're at, but you can come on up and start heading to the keyboard here in a minute. Again, I told you I was going to shut up quickly and let God talk the rest to you all. You see, what, what God is telling Israel at this time, all you got to do is turn away from that mess. I realize your heart is hard of stone right now. You have got, you've walked away so far from me. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like there's not even a relationship there because so much sin has come into your life. But he's saying, all you got to do is turn away from that. Turn away, and I will give you a new heart, a heart made of flesh. I told you earlier, there was a time I allowed my heart to get hard, and it was, it was a heart of stone, and there was not much getting in there, or really anything at all getting in. But there came a day when God started chiseling away. Here's the cool thing about God. For me, it was like God took a chisel, and he started hitting that little hammer piece by piece, and start breaking off. That's the way it worked for me. 
That's the way he did it in my life. There was reasons why he had to do it that way in my life. I don't fully understand those reasons why, but it, it, took, a little, it took piece by piece a little of a time to give me a new heart. But listen to me. Here's how God works as well. He can in an instant take out a holy hammer, put you on an operating table, rip up on your chest, and he sees that heart of stone, and he can take that hammer, and he can bust it slap wide open. That quick. He can do that for you. I promise you he can do that for you. And he may choose to do it like he did me, for whatever reason, piece by piece. But regardless, he'll give you that new heart. He'll chip away the walls. He'll do it. And so listen to this. This is how you do it. And in doing that, in getting that heart surgery, there's some heart surgery needs to take place in this building this morning. I told the students last weekend at this Saturday night time when all these kids gave their life to Christ and they came up, I wanted them to imagine up here in front this altar was like an operating room. And some students and sponsors, they needed to come and they just needed to get up on the operating table. I'm telling you what, I remember my dad had to have an open heart surgery back when he was, I think, 62, 63 years old. Again, because of the hereditary thing, but even though we didn't do all he still had to have some work done. And I can remember the conversations to this day that my dad had with me and, and, and how he wasn't nervous about dying. He was just nervous about leading up to that moment, the preparation and all that went into that. And this morning, God's saying it's your time on the table. It's like, I could fix you right now. And here's the deal, getting into the Spirit. Because when we restore and we get the heart right, then the Spirit becomes right. In verse 33 of that same chapter, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Some good news is getting ready to come here. Y'all been waiting for the good news? You want to hear some good news? This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will... He's talking to Israel now. They lost everything. They've been driven out of their land. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. Should have been some shouting right there. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. That's what he wants to do. You may have lost some things because of sin. Been there, done that. You feel like you're going crazy today because of the junk going on in your mind. Feel you. Feel like your heart's always hurting because of the, the junk coming in. Yeah, I know, been there, done that. 
But I could tell you how liberating it felt for me when I finally climbed up and let down my pride and climbed up on the operating table and just said, God, here it is. You do the work. You do the work. I'm done. I'm done living this way. I'm done with the confusion. And I, I, I just want to, feel, I want to feel better. I want to feel you. But you see what happens is, as I said earlier, that relationship with you and God, it's like there's this huge distance. And there's moments in life where I felt like when I was talking to him, he was there, but it was like because of the distance, I felt like he wasn't. And that wasn't on him, that was on me. This morning, from this point on, we're on God's time. He's going to start talking now through His Holy Spirit. Brittany, I want to ask you to come on up with me. Pastor Pat and Tina, guys, come on up this way. Just be, be here, available. Any of our other altar workers that normally work, I don't know exactly who all of y'all are. I'm most of the time over in the other building, so I don't know who all typically works, but I want you all to be prepared. So here's, here's the deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share with you exactly the way I laid it out for the, the students last, last weekend. There are three areas we're going to deal with, or not we're going to deal with, God's going to deal with right here, okay? When he woke me up at 3 o'clock on Wednesday morning, he said, you handle it the same way. Handle it the same way. And so that's what we're going to do. First, first thing we're gonna, God's going to deal with right now is salvation. You know, one way you can start down the right road in, 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 in refreshing your mind, heart, and spirit is first of all, give your life to Christ if you haven't ever done that. That's got to be first and foremost. Second thing we're going to redo or do is this. We're going to give you the opportunity to stand and say, again, laying down your pride, being vulnerable, and just saying, you know what, I have I have." just kind of backslidden I've, I've allowed so much stuff in my heart and mind and it's controlling my spirit and I just I want to hit the reset button today today's a new day kept telling the students last weekend it's like God's got this big canvas white canvas and last weekend from the get go I said we got this white canvas in front of us because it's a new day You've had a canvas in front of you up until this point right now where, where there's been pictures painted on there that are not good. There's been pictures of, of, of a lot of bad stuff, a lot of sin, a lot of just stuff that don't need to be there in your life. And that's what, you're, that's what you looked at as you came in here today. That, that painting is what you have seen. But I'm telling you, when you walk through the door today, it's like God was putting up a white canvas and he's ready to start painting a different picture. The picture he wants for your life. But it's right now. Again, it's surrendering. And saying, I, got, I, I, I do, I need a reset button. Third thing is this. And this is the hard one. This is the hard one. This is the one that gets ugly. 
This is the one that don't always look pretty when it happens, but it's the most beautiful thing, one of the most beautiful things other than someone giving their life to Christ you will ever see. And that's deliverance. Maybe you've got an addiction today. You don't have to broadcast it to the entire church. I'm not asking you to do that. You walk up to this altar. God knows what's on your heart. He knows what you're battling with. If you want to confess that to one of these people, that is fine. But if you come up here and you just say, I need deliverance, God knows what that is. We're not here to embarrass anybody today, okay? You hear me? We're here to see somebody get delivered and saved. Point blank. And, and that's you, and you, you need deliverance. Whatever that, some of those areas I talked about earlier, it may be something totally different, but you want deliverance of that today. Do not walk out of this building today in bondage. Don't walk out of here in shackles. You can let it go. The, altar, the, the, the operating table's here, and deliverance sometimes isn't pretty to watch when God does it. It can freak you out. But again, it's the most beautiful thing that can ever happen if you just let him because he's setting you free.